So that's pretty cool. So I guess flat on the week. My numbers are already. I put. We'll the, see. No, I wrote these be, numbers the in thirty minutes ago, th dude. Look, what, by the time people hear this, it'll be inaccurate anyway. Guys, these that's numbers are all, always inaccurate, no <laughs> matter what. 12, it's just twelve-hour lags. Bankless Nation. It is the fourth week of April. It's Friday morning. So what time is it, David? Oh, it's the Friday Bankless Weekly Roll Up time, Ryan, where we roll up the entire news in crypto that happened in the last week, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persist. Nonetheless, ready to get into it, Ryan? What happened this week? I'm ready, man. It's good. Look, first of all, though, it's good to see you uh, back mm -hmm. in your place. Back You've been doing place. a lot of uh, these road tour roll-ups. And mm -hmm. look, you've been doing it from a hotel rooms, Airbnbs, mm -hmm. like everywhere. And now you're back. You're back in San Diego, at least for now. Yeah, but we have two more roll-ups here before this place goes away forever. Wow. And uh, wow. a brand new uh, apartment in Williamsburg will be the background. <sighs> It's great. David's background is constantly changing. Mine is always staying the same. <laughs> the immutability of my background, David. I'm not going anywhere. You need, need a new rendering for your background for when I, whenever I move. <laughs> All right, man. So uh, topics of the week. First, we got to discuss Elon Musk. He just bought Twitter. Wow. Okay. In an effort maybe to preserve free speech. I don't know. That's what he's saying. But also the same day, something else happened. What happened? Stani Kulichov of Aave and also Lens Protocol gets banned from Twitter because it's just so ironic because Elon Musk buys Twitter to preserve free speech. And the same day, Stani gets banned from Twitter for tweeting out a joke about how he is the interim CEO to Twitter. I mean, you can see why Twitter would ban him. It's like, that's well, that's false news. So like ban hammer. But the, the irony of that uh, happening the same day uh, is interesting. And so we actually interviewed Stani and we'll get some cuts of that interview here in the weekly roll up when we talk about Elon Musk buying Twitter. Also, there was an optimism airdrop this nice. week. This is the, the starting nice. pistol for Layer 222. We're going to discuss the details, the metrics, the governance system. We got it all. Uh, and finally, what's the last one here, David? Edward Snowden has been a secret founder of a crypto project that we had no idea about until now. So we're going to get all of those details. What has he been up to? What project is it uh, that's coming later in the show? Guys, before we do that, I got to tell you about Graph Day because it is conference season. That's why David's backgrounds are always shifting because he's going to all these different conferences. Um, after Permissionless, the next one you need to go to, particularly if you are a builder, is Graph Day. Graph Day is happening June 2nd. It's going to be a learning session on June 2nd. A ton of fantastic speakers, followed by a three-day hackathon, okay? Speakers like who, David? Name some of these out for us. Oh, so many. We got Kevin Owaki and from Gitcoin. We got Arjun Bupani from Connext. Camila Russo from The Defiant. She's going to be there. Uh, also, one of, my, one of my personal heroes in, in the space, Reese Lindmark, is going to be there as well. We got Ava Balin from the Graph Foundation uh, and so many others. Jake Berman, who Jake Berkman, who pilled us on NFTs in the first place. They're all going to be there. So if you are looking to bootstrap your Web3 career, if you just want to hear from the builders, or if you're looking to hack and be a part of the hackathon, the Graph Day event in San Francisco, June 2nd to 4th is for you. There is a link in the show notes to get $50 off uh, if you are so inclined. You should be so inclined, especially if you're a builder. This is the, the place to go. But David, let's get into the markets first. You know because, what is uh, more than $50 off, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, what's, what's more than $50 off? You're going to tell me it's Bitcoin. It's Bitcoin. It's Bitcoin. Bitcoin started the week at $41,300. It's down 3.9%. Oh, gosh, it, it jumped actually since I wrote these numbers. Uh, so my numbers are out of date. Uh, started the week at $41,300. I thought it went down 3.9%, but it looks like it only went down 
$50 because apparently it's mooning as we speak. So that's pretty cool. So I guess flat on the week. My numbers are already, I put we'll the, see. No, I wrote these be, numbers in the 30 minutes ago, th- dude. Look, what, by the time people hear this, it'll be inaccurate anyway. Guys, these that's numbers are all, always inaccurate. No matter <laughs> what. It's 12, just 12 hour lags. <laughs> yeah, at least. Uh, anyway, so we're, what are we, kind of steady on the week? Yeah, Up I guess a flat bit? on the week. Flat on the week. Wow, my, my numbers got rugged by Bitcoin. All right, well, let's go to Ether and see see how good or bad these numbers are on it's, Ether. It's got to be down too since you wrote this, right? Yes. Yes, kind right. Okay, so we started last week at $3,080. We are currently at $2,960. So we're down just a couple percent on the week. Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, kind of a flat week. And the ETH Bitcoin ratio, we were down at the time of recording as well. What does that look like? Yeah, we were down 1.5%. It's probably going to be uh, about there still, none, nonetheless. How about all of crypto? Total crypto market cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are at, let's see, 1.9 trillion. Ah, oh, below 2 trillion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sad. That's a shame. We, what, we, we what's that ended like? last week at 1.98 trillion. We are at 1.93 trillion right now. Okay. Last, but, last fi- lost $50 billion in the crypto market cap. So, but what's a, what's a few billion dollars, you know? Here's the thing. We're, we're kind of crabbing out. We have been for the last few months. Crab season, back and forth, not necessarily up or down, just kind of back and forth. But we should also count our blessings because U.S. dollars is heading towards all-time highs. The mm. Dixie, this is where you measure U.S. dollars, hasn't looked like this in a long time. Yeah. We mentioned this last week, and it's been mm. up only since last week. And what's the big story here? It's not that U.S. dollars are up, but U.S. dollars are up, and yet what? And yet crypto prices are flat. So like relatively, it's a it's a win, I think, because it usually when the Dixie goes up, crypto prices go down. Uh, and so when the Dixie goes up a lot, as if it has, as it has, because it's actually higher. The Dixie is higher than it was during the depths of COVID, where people were fleeing to dollars uh, in the in when during that March liquidation event, uh, people were fleeing to dollars, and we are well above that point in the Dixie right now. And yet, over the last I don't know, like month or so, crypto prices are flat. Historically, when the Dixie goes down, crypto prices go up bigly. Uh, And so right now we're watching the Dixie go up and crypto markets stay flat. If the Dixie goes down, will crypto markets still go up? Is a big it's question. Kind of, yeah, the, the Dixie is kind of a short-term fear index, right? And so you're talking mm-hmm. about that spike in March 2020 when COVID happened and the spike all the way up in the dollar. And yet, and what happened to crypto? It went the complete opposite direction. Right. It absolutely tanked. Right. And now markets are fearful again. And yet crypto is not getting too hit, too impacted. And of course, in markets, all of this comes on the back of huge gains that crypto investors made in 2021 last year. So while this year feels a little bit like crab season, last year was like boomtown. Mm-hmm. Crypto investors made $163 billion in gains in 2021. That is according to a chain analysis report, and they've looked directly at the data to drive that number. Uh, Incredible. $162 billion? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's no wonder that, like, all of a sudden sports stadiums now have, like, companies' names, including ours, as their uh, their new naming rights, right? (laughs) I just love that this is Chainalysis report. Chainalysis, just, like, the the eye of Sauron of the government probably sending this information straight to the IRS. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Absolutely. They are advertising... Chainalysis is advertising their services to every tax jurisdiction in the world. Yes. Like... Hey, right. you want some money? Right. Because all governments want money right now. Right. Uh, look at this $163 billion sitting for you. <laughs> we know where the capital gains are, says <laughs> the says Chainalysis. <laughs> this is also why you should pay your taxes, incidentally, uh, as well. I mean, there are crypto people who are like, 
How are they going to know? I'm like, chain analysis. The IRS analysis doesn't know how to, how to tax JPEGs. Come on. <laughs> uh, ENS bull market. Yeah. Right? There has been a bull market in .eths, the ENS domain name. Haven't heard a lot about ENS, at least, you know, kind of in the narrative section since their big airdrop. And ENS price governance token, responsibility token price has been down since. But I've always seen this, and I think you have too, as like, maybe the best NFT out there, one of the OG NFTs. And what's happening now is ENS registrations are going like crazy, mm -hmm. particularly in, is it four digit ENS names? Yeah, yeah, low digit ENS names. Like three digits are also hot, but there's just so few of those. So four digits are the ones, I think there's like something like 16,000 combinations of four digit ENS names. So you know, not that many, if we're talking about like the URL of the future internet. Uh, and so for this uh, ENS broker, which looks like a bot Twitter account, says 70 to 100 four-digit ENS registrations in under an hour, only 6,622 remain. So not all of them are minted. So that's what's going on. There's like a gold rush to mint the remaining four-digit four combination ENS names. Look, here's one that went 555.eth, uh, went for 555 ETH. So. It's just, it was sold for 55.5 ETH. So I, I think I think some of this is coming from uh, NFT world, right? So people are like Maybe. basically buying the, you know, their board ape number or their, or their crypto punk number. Uh, That's some of the speculation. Oh, you see that? Oh, snap. Is 1118 available? Yeah, it's like, yeah, see, so now, you, now you're getting the oh, FOMO. Oh, snap. It's the 10K NFT market, right? And so people are, you know, how mm. there are uh, crypto punks who go by like I'm 641 zero or whatever and so why not have 6410.eth damn that's your... 1118 is already minted is that your crypto punk that's my crypto punk yeah ah, too late see yeah. when we talk about it on a bank list it's too late yeah we're yeah, some, someone, someone's gonna <laughs> sell it to Alpha. me for 1118 eth uh <laughs> decline on that one yeah there you go i got rsa.eth back that's, in the that's day, a good so one that's a good I'm, one i'm, I'm hodling that mm -hmm. um but this is crazy if you look at the revenue ens revenue is now greater than all the fee revenue of Bitcoin right now. Just yeah, but Bitcoin. like at this point, like so is everything else is higher than Bitcoin. <laughs> like Bitcoin just doesn't generate revenue, dude. But it kind of needs to for the security budget. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bitcoiners should be a little bit more worried about that than they are. Yeah, uh, the ENS revenue is also kind of the ENS security budget because that is the value flow that the ENS DAO governs over. Uh, and part of the uh, this ENF, ENS mania is probably triggered at least a little bit by Fallon.eth, Jimmy Fallon.eth, the biggest .eth name uh, yet. He is, I think, number one on the leaderboard now. Or at least, no, excuse me, he's in the top 100 most followed Twitter accounts with a .eth in the Twitter name. So congratulations, Jimmy Fallon, also owner of a board ape. Uh, and then, of course, there's also Budweiser Beer.eth. We all know that Budweiser bought Beer.eth previously, uh, but now Budweiser owns Budweiser.beer.eth. Uh, this is a feature of ENS, subdomains. Uh, so if you own something.eth, you can make something.something.eth, kind of like how you can make a, a goo, like a gmail.com, right? Like I own I, I own moneylegos.eth. Did you know that, Ryan? Yeah, I own moneylegos.eth. I didn't know that. Yeah. I knew somebody did. Yeah, I didn't so, know that. I, somebody I knew So did. I could sell david.moneylegos.eth. Or I can sell you, Ryan, ryan.moneylegos.eth. And so now Budweiser... How much? How much you want for it? 
I'll, you, I'll give it to you, Ryan. Oh my you. God! Thank you, David. <laughs> Appreciate so, you. I'll give you a david.rsa.eth. I love it. That? I love it. Holy <laughs> yeah. tradesies. Uh, so yeah, Budweiser.beer.eth. Maybe, uh, dude, I would love david.beer.eth. I like beer. David.beer.eth. Yeah. Think of the possibilities, right? Like, I, not Bankless. a lot of people. Beer.eth. I, I, I absolutely, absolutely. Um, oh, that's... All the combinations. Anyways, this is a PSA. Uh, to claim your ENS drop because the last time that you are able to do that is on May 4th. If you have, for some reason, I don't know, maybe your private keys are locked in a safe or something. Uh, somewhere you don't live. Some, or somewhere else. Like, you need to go get your private keys and, like, unlock your ENS airdrop by May 4th or else it's gone forever. So if you haven't done that yet, uh, don't go do that. You know, that's happening to a friend that I know yeah, uh, at what, this lo- very moment. Locked pri- private keys in a safe? Yeah, in a safe. <laughs> I don't know who that would claim be. their airdrop. So is it worth the flight home or not? I don't oh, know. Oh, no, no. I have the safe here. It's just... <laughs> it's just... Oh, God. <laughs> Even better. We'll live stream the unlocking event. Um, yeah, you know what? This also goes to show you that like NFTs are the gateway to the rest of Ethereum. They really mm-hmm. are. Here's Fallon buying a board ape, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have even known what a dot e- dot ETH uh, domain name was prior to his board ape, but now he's doing Fallon.eth and he's the biggest one. And that propagates <laughs> it because he's got bajillions of followers. Mm. That's pump, how we pump do it. Pump those ENS bags, Jimmy. Uh, also, ape, ape coin. This Let's talk about the ape coin price. Yeah, last so market section, it's just going up. When it got airdropped, it got airdrops at something like an eight to ten billion dollar market cap. Just ape coin, silly, gover- like valueless governance token of this unbuilt thing came in at ten billion dollars, and like literally every other like responsibility token that gets airdropped just is like down only versus like ETH, basically. ENS, but for of, example, of course. It's the ape coin, which governs over nothing, is gets airdropped at eight to ten dollars, and is now at twenty two dollars, at a twenty two billion dollar market cap. Ryan, you sound a little upset. You sound a little. Are you salty about this? This is ridiculous. Uh, like, right. but like, this is so classic board apes. Is it, like, and I knew this was going to happen. I'm pretty sure I said this on the rollups. Like, I'm like everything that the apes touch just goes up, uh, and so like, why won't this go up as well? Uh, and this look at this. Exactly this, is ENS drop, this is the right? ENS drop, right? Which we were drop. just ENS talking about all of the virtues and values of the ENS with an actual product that's built and it's ready. Higher and look, revenue down than only. Bitcoin. <laughs> down only. Higher revenue than uh, Bitcoin and down to like $2 billion. So like Fully apes are like yeah. tw- 10x. 10x. That. 10x that. <laughs> and like there's no fundamentals. Like maybe I'm missing something. I don't pay attention to the AP system that much, but like. Yeah. What the hell, dude? I don't uh, get this Fundamentals market. don't matter in crypto. Attention do does, um, and mm. apes have the attention. And so, so they have the capital in the I short run. That That's that. how it works, guys. Yeah. That's the lesson. Uh, enough of markets, because we're tired of <laughs> talking about it. We'll be back with some releases of the week then. We got some hot news for you, and of course, the rest of the show. But before we get there, we got to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. All right, guys, we are back with the releases of the week. This one's big. This is part of the DeFi mullet thesis, David, which is basically fintech mm-hmm. is going to look nice and fresh in the front. The party's going to be in the back. That's the DeFi mullet. And the Where party is, of course, decentralized finance, right? That, that's here. That's on Bankless. Mm-hmm. Bankless in the back. Uh, this is an example of that. Fintech giant Stripe, they just jumped into crypto with a feature that lets Twitter users get paid in stable coins. What is the stable coin? I believe it's USDC. Where are they deploying it? Polygon, mm. an Ethereum layer two slash side chain. And this is really interesting because Stripe has 
talked for a while about like uh, crypto, whatever, it's a fad. They actually abandoned, they adopted Bitcoin as payment and they abandoned it back in 2018. Mm. Now here they are in 2022, re-entering stable coins on Ethereum. This is, uh, this is the utility that that DeFi mullet gives you. Uh, kind of cool to see. No, this, this is what we love. And this is why layer twos are so, so important. And the layer two, two, two revolution has only just begun. Uh, and so Stripe is getting ahead of the curve here before other payment providers. So as layer two progresses, I expect a lot more things of this nature. All right, coming up next, there is Vault Protocol, now live on the Ethereum mainnet. Vault Protocol is a CPI adjusted stablecoin and is now live. And so if you don't like losing the value of your dollars due to inflation, there's a stablecoin on Ethereum that can help with that. Uh, Volt is a fork out of the Fae protocol. Uh, and so is using Fae's protocol's code, code base, which is generally well battle tested as far as stablecoins go. Uh, and then they also integrate Chainlink oracles to help with the CPI adjusted number over time. Uh, and so as these Chainlink oracles report a, a, an increasing inflation, the value of the stablecoin will go up. Uh, and there's also just a bunch of uh, uh, DeFi 2.0 mafia gang people. I think you'll recognize a lot of people here. Sam Kosmani from Frax. We had him on the show recently. Joey from Tribe. Jo uh, Jay from Rari. Tim Bako as well. And of course... The man whale himself, Tetranode. So really solid project or a really solid team behind this project. Yeah, it'll be cool to see more more entrance into the freight. Excuse me, those are not those are not people in on the project. Those are just angel investors, but they probably are gonna help nonetheless. I'm sure they will. Um speaking of helping, Fidelity. They're helping Bitcoin right now and they're helping all of crypto. They are allowing retirement savers to put Bitcoin in 401k accounts. This is absolutely massive, David, because so many companies use Fidelity for their 401k service. Fidelity has something like uh, $2.7 trillion, $2.7 trillion with the T of assets under management. Wow. It's absolutely insane. 23,000 companies. Yeah, it's a little bit more, not much more, but 23,000 companies use Fidelity for their retirement uh, plans. And you know, Bitcoin is coming like bitcoin's here but other crypto assets are, are coming in fact they mentioned that in the press release fidelity is the custodian here mm -hmm. okay so fidelity is taking custody of the bitcoin uh, assets too and they've developed out their custody service for like the last five six years so that's all in place um it's really funny in the uh the wall street journal article that i have linked here uh at the, the bottom there's quotes from the labor department of the u.s um saying this is seriously concerning uh, and that people should use extreme care when investing in crypto. So a little bit of FUD coming out of uh, the Department of Labor because Some they are, of course, sc scared of Bitcoin. Uh, and Fidelity put a cap on it. So the max cap is you can only YOLO in 20% of your retirement account, right? So it is still a traditional finance, like we don't want you to be too risky, right. not too much crypto. On, on the cap there, but still a it's big step in the right direction. Directionally and, uh, correct. Directionally yeah, correct. super cool. And it's big. Look, this yeah. is going to usher in a lot of new money into the space. Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, again, directionally correct. Nice job. Um, this is another cool thing. AngelList is rolling out USDC. So AngelList is kind of a you know, a place that Naval actually uh, you created. It. It's a place for angel investors to like um, network and connect to mm. uh, to to startups. And so the traditional way, if, if you were an angel investor, you wanted to invest in a startup, you had to wire funds or ACH mm -hmm. transfer in the bank. And now they just rolled out USDC. Cool. Another example of stablecoins, USDC winning and like 
I am so glad that we don't have to wire funds as much as we used to. When that goes away, that will be a happy day for me, David. There are some angel investments that, that we've participated in, Ryan, where they're like, no, we can't accept USDC. You must wire funds. And we're both like, well, I'm not sure we would sure join anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's that's annoying. <laughs> Wait, you're a crypto native company right. and you want me to wire funds right. from a bank account? Yeah. Like. Hey, wh- All what right. Are we, what are we doing here, folks? <laughs> yeah, Angel, Angel list though is rolling that out for everybody. Um, mm. This is another thing you want to talk about. This Nike, yeah. and Artifact, they're doing something. Yeah, Artifact, they're the NFT studio reveal Crypto Kicks, the first ever Ethereum NFT metaverse sneakers. Uh, I mean, there are sneakerheads out there. They're like the OG NFTs before NFTs were really a, a thing, right? Like you know. People, some people collect coins, pump, some people collect stamps, some people collect sneakers. Uh, and sneakers generally be the most future of those things. So I guess it makes sense to put sneakers into the metaverse. Like sneakerheads, they don't even wear their sneakers anyways. Uh, and <laughs> they so, just collect them? They just collect them. So I guess it makes sense to have <laughs> NFTs. They look pretty sick as far as shoes go. Uh, but yeah, that is what is going on. Uh, you want to yeah. see what these puppies are going for on OpenSea? Oh, I don't, but you're going to tell me anyways. Uh, here's floor price. Uh, 2.1 ETH? Okay. I, that's floor not, price. It's not terrible. It's not oh, terrible. come on, man. How much, like, so convert that into uh, dollars. What's that? Like $6,231. Would you pay that for a pair of sneakers if Ab- you were a sneakerhead, David? Absolutely <laughs> not. But it's a JPEG, Ryan, of course. Uh, <laughs> what's the maximum works. amount you've paid for sneakers? Oh. Are you a sneaker culture guy? No, absolutely not. I have my Wait. pair of Nike, Nike Dunks that I paid like $80 for. I had, one, I had one red and black one and one blue and white one. And on 4th of July, I would wear one of each. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> so no Nike sneaky sneakers for David. But I bet no. you pay more in the metaverse, though. I yeah, bet you, you, you always, There's always the metaverse premium, Ryan. Uh, I guess there is. Now, uh, David's JPEG mm-hmm. protocol. They're JPEG'd. doing something. What's this? JPEG protocol. Uh, dubious name, but okay. Uh, Why uh, dubious? I don't need to explain that. <laughs> you don't okay. know. Right, you don't right. know. Ryan doesn't this know. Is, but uh, this is a kid. This is a kid friendly show. Kid friendly okay, show. David, so yeah. I think you're going somewhere else. We yeah. don't need to go. <laughs> uh, JPEGged collateralized NFTs. Uh, we, we know that this is on the frontier. This is pr- uh, coming out now. There is the PUSD stablecoin, uh, which you can get a uh, borrow at two percent. Uh, which is uh, pretty low as for a fee. So if you put you put your NFTs into JPEGed, you get to borrow PUSD at a 2% uh, interest rate. Um, and that's how you get liquidity on your JPEGs. They also have this insurance mechanism. Uh, actually, I'll get to that in a second. Users can borrow up to 32% of the floor price of their JPEGs in PUSD. Liquidate, liquidation will happen when the debt to equity ratio equals or exceeds 33%. There is a chain link oracle for that floor price. I truly hope that they've thought about gaming because like, you know, you can totally game the floor price of something. They must have thought about this. Uh, I don't know how they did, but like, I can't imagine that they it's just so like left that in there. Uh, and then have, they also have Ryan an insurance mechanism, which is only made possible about the how because the DAO underwrites the debt. So users can purchase in, insurance to repurchase their NFT in case they get they get liquidated. So like, if I put my CryptoPunk up for uh, up for collateralization, I borrowed against it, I got liquidated. I could go with that insurance, which cost me five percent. Uh, I could go back buy back my JPEG uh, rather than just having to buy back any old random CryptoPunk, and that is JPEG. Do you think this is kind of why the metaverse premium exists? Because you can't do that with, if you're a sneakerhead. You can't yeah. do that with your sneakers, right? But you can do this with your $6,000 metaverse sneakers. You can actually take a loan out against it. Yeah. And I, I also, 
it just makes me laugh. Do you know in the future how many like twelve year olds are gonna like become millionaires and then go broke and then become millionaires again and then go broke <laughs> because of this sort of mechanic? Mechanic, right. you get like right. NFT game items. Suddenly they're worth like tens of thousands of dollars overnight and then some 12 year old like goes and leverages them on jpeg and right. like loses it all doesn't <laughs> like, understand what it means to leverage up all of your jpegs uh, yeah. I've, I've always as soon as i realized that nft collateralization was going to be a thing i've always been of the opinion that this is going to result in a lot of nfts changing hands and a lot of people being really <laughs> upset because like I, I mean we all know like the the i keep on harping on the ape community so sorry about that but i'm going to keep on doing it like if they lose their private keys they're going to take an unreasonable amount of debt probably like those as soon things, as it's easy to do that yes as soon as it's easy to do that it's probably going to happen and like there's just going to be a big churning of like dgen nft holders because there's going to be some nft drop they're not going to have any more cash they're going to go to jpeg and collateralize their nfts and leverage up on nfts the most ridiculous thing to leverage up on and then ryan they are going to get jpegged this if is you will. <laughs> this is this is great because uh, we, you know, I've, I've been hoping for better financial education in the U.S. and <laughs> in the world for like kids. This is how they're going to learn. Look, man, this is how everyone learns. Unless you lose a lot of money, unless you get liquidated, better to learn these lessons when you're 12 years old. You're getting JPEG then rather than get JPEG when you're in the early 30s and you yeah. get JPEGged on your house. <laughs> yeah, just, just hand that tax bill off to mommy, okay? Oh, uh, there you go. Um... 12 year olds having to pay taxes on <laughs> nfts what is happening ah <laughs> uh, so much great stuff with crypto um let's get to raises though yeah. uh another one billion dollars has just entered crypto in the form of a new fund this time joe mccann is raising joe mccann is a Tar targeting uh, one billion dollars not one targeting billion dollars one yet. billion yeah okay well i bet they'll be able to do it yeah, uh this guy's career has spanned um uh, Microsoft, also um, asymmetric, Passport Capital. Look, man, the TLDR is another $1 billion fund has entered the fray. And talking like channels, pe people are like, well, private equity, where are they going to deploy all of this in crypto? There's private equity left. is going, There's it's getting left. crazy. Like these yeah. these deals that uh, you know aren't public for accredited investors, a mm -hmm. billion dollars has to go somewhere. Where's it going to go? It's just going to increase the valuations of all of these crypto startups. So it's absolutely insane, dude. Like 1999. You know what we a should do, bit. Ryan? Like there is there there the number of stories I've heard of just like insane valuations. I I heard a story where some startup founder was doing some like modest raise at like twenty to thirty million dollar valuation, which is not modest, but now it is. Uh, and then the VC firm that wanted to that it was going to lead that round came back to him and said, "Hey, we are going to double the valuation that you're asking for. We'll let you raise at sixty million dollars, but you have to give us all of it because they don't have any places to deploy all the capital, Ryan." So the the private equity rounds are extremely overvalued uh, and there's so much cash laying around. And you know what is happening, Ryan, is everyone is forgetting about the blue chips. They're forgetting about Bitcoin. They're forgetting about ETH. And like, I think a mistake that people like perhaps Joe McCann are doing is they're thinking like, okay, get me into crypto. I don't know what to buy. So like diversify, right? I just in invest all across the board and just diversify me into crypto. Not realizing and not, real not knowing that like Bitcoin and ETH are basically indices. They're basically indices of the whole entire crypto market cap. Ether is uh, formally an indice of the Ethereum economy. And so they're, they're, they're making the mistake of thinking, okay, like I don't want concentrated bets deploying my capital everywhere. But then they're deploying their capital in these overvalued valuations and they're forgetting about the blue chips. Ryan, what should we do? We should start a startup that takes in money from all these investors and we just buy ETH and we're gonna outperform every <laughs> single startup well, ever in look, the last year. 
That's kind of what I was thinking. If I had a billion dollar uh, VC fund, first thing I'd do is I'd be like, thank you for your money. I'm deploying all of this right away and I'm buying a billion dollars worth of ETH. Yes. And then I would take that ETH, I would stake a portion of it, and then my objective would be to go beat mm. the value of ETH, measure all of my denominator would be ETH and all future investments I would weight them against. Is this gonna appreciate relative to ETH or not? And if it mm -hmm. does, I'd deploy there. There's, gonna, there's our fund, David. We just great. made it. And, and, and Ryan, it's gonna outperform every other fund or every other like yeah ec private equity fund that came out in the last year i'm, I'm firmly believe in that we'll see we'll see maybe we'll maybe we'll announce in the launch next week david um, every single vc fund operator is like listening to this is like you guys are idiots yeah but the, but, they definitely are but for Including those that are listening it, 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 we're also think that you're idiots but who knows who knows no, i don't think Hasib is an idiot don't Hasib's put him there but this is uh his firm oh he's part mm -hmm. of this firm dragonfly capital we should talk about this yeah raised $650 million in their third fund. They actually can't deploy money into ETH, uh, so they are restricting that. They have to do it into private equity. Uh, and so $650 million into Dragonfly Capital's third fund, extremely successful fund. Uh, I actually did a show with Hasib on Layer Zero about how to be a VC. If you want to get into the brain of a, one of the most articulate VCs out there uh, and what it takes to become a VC, that was a really good episode. Uh, Dragonfly, $650 million, third fund. Let's Look, see man, what, I want to be fair. I want to be fair to VCs. They actually crushed it last year, the last True. couple of years True. relative to ETH, right? They absolutely yeah. crushed it. So I guess, you know, yes. there's credit, credit where it's due. Liquify, they're building a Carta of Web3. Carta is where you basically track your, your, your pre-public uh, shares investing, whether, whether you're an employee and you're getting vested shares or whether it's some sort of a startup. And uh, Liquify is bringing that to web three companies doing that with DAOs, i assume so um something interesting going on there david next up yeah this ethereum, is pretty cool ethereum scaling solution scroll raises 30 million dollars from bain capital and some other angel investments of which ryan and i are some of them uh so disclaimer there scroll is building a zk evm uh i met some of the team at uh, eth amsterdam at mev day talented group of people uh and some other uh, angels include santiago Sa santos anthony Cesano, uh and many others in the ethereum community yeah scroll is a really interesting layer too they've got some work to do though first it's oh, yeah. not gonna be ready for mainnet uh for a while yes. um zero x they just raised 70 million dollars from Greylock, OpenSea, and Jared Leto? Leto? Right. <laughs> Why? Yeah, Jared Leto is actually the actor of one of my favorite movies. It's called Mr. Nobody, but very few people actually know that movie. It's a good movie. It's, no, I've never, I've never watched it, but Mr. Nobody is now investing in Zero X. So it's yeah. cool the celebrities are getting into the game too a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, David, jobs report. You ready for it? Um, let's do it. Okay, this is our weekly reminder to tell you to get a job in crypto. Oh my God, this first job looks amazing. I'm gonna read some of them out. A lead community manager at Crypto Skulls DAO. Can't even imagine what Crypto Skulls does, but that's you gotta get that job. Senior product engineer at Parcel, junior engineer at Bankless and Ethereum core developer, Nethermind. Golang engineer, Starknet clients, Nethermind. Bankless newsletter editor, we're still looking. Content manager at Tally, director of developer relations, a Solidity architect, marketing manager, at Mesha, UX designer Prometheus, community manager, the DGen Dogs Club, co-founder for a TBD DeFi primitive, a backend software engineer, AGMI, I could go on, but I won't. There's a link in the show notes to all of these jobs and David is exhausted because he's been dancing this whole time as usual. Mm -hmm. What do, what do we have to say about that? Just uh, get a job in crypto? Yeah, get, get a job, help David dance less. 
by getting a job <laughs> in crypto and making this jobs board go down. If you want to post your job, there's a link in the show notes. Also, bankless.palette.com slash jobs. Now, also, there's this thing called the Talent Collective for the other side of the matchmaking market. So if you are good talent uh, and you want to be uh, you know, pitched to join other people's company. There is the talent collective where you can upload your resume and and be have your uh, your your resume be reviewed by all the companies that are hiring in crypto. So that is Some, go for it. sometimes that's a good play. You know, you play hard to get. Yeah, you just right. like make, make them make, come for you. That's exactly right. All right, our first news item: the biggest. Elon Musk just bought Twitter uh, a couple of weeks ago. He said he was wanted to buy it. Twitter said no. They've been doing this dance back and forth. It was all public. It's very great. Now he purchased it. So breaking news, Twitter and Elon Musk reach a deal on the buyout to be announced shortly. That was announced. I'm not sure if it's fully closed yet, but it's basically for all mm -hmm. intents and purposes. Elon Musk now owns Twitter. Neat. Uh, how do I feel <laughs> about that? Uh, I think pretty good. I think pretty good. I mean, he built, he, he built one of the coolest car companies that exists. He's sending rockets to the moon. So like, you know, don't fade Elon and his ability to innovate. Like Twitter will probably be pretty cool uh, as a result of that. Um, I have a take later on in the show about this, but you know, uh, I think probably big changes coming to Twitter. I don't think he bought Twitter, Ryan, just to add an edit button or just to do a, a few other tweaks. Like, he, no, he didn't want to just add that. He's got big plans. Elon Musk never has small plans. He only has big plans. Well, I hope one of those plans is actually to distribute ownership to you know those who aren't Elon Musk. And uh, maybe we'll talk about that because what's still going on right now is people are getting banned, mm -hmm. often for no reason. And Stani from the Ave Protocol, DeFi founder, was actually banned just this week. We actually had a conversation with Stani this morning, and we're going to play the highlights now. Stani. How's Twitter jail going for you? Like, what's what's going on here? Not very well, to be honest. There's no one to talk to here. You know, I, I feel like I don't. I feel like I don't have any audience. I I have I had all my audience in Twitter, um, and I got banned, and and I don't know who to talk to. Look, if you're on Twitter, any social media account for that matter, you don't actually own the property there, right? You don't do you own don't own the list of of uh, your followers. It's completely private property. And we are viewing the actual tweets on YouTube. And I just want to recap this, okay? So this is innocent. This is innocent <laughs> AF. This is like even wholesome. It's funny. Stani tweets, breaking, joining Twitter as interim CEO, clearly an Elon Musk style joke. And then as a follow-up, he offers an actual like tongue-in-cheek list of solutions of what Twitter should be implementing moving forward. If I'm on the product team of Twitter, I'm like jotting some of this stuff down potentially. Uh, and he says this, thank you for the opportunity to work at Twitter. My first agenda in the roadmap for the first 90 days is ship an edit button, open source the Twitter algos, add support for ENS and Ethereum integrate with Lens protocol. I ask you, the viewer, is this a bannable offense on Twitter? <laughs> Like what is going on? No due process, no explanation as to why. This is not a threat of violence in any way, shape or form or an incitement of violence. How does this break the the, the policy of, of Twitter? These are some of the questions I have, but now this is Elon Musk's problem, isn't it? Because Elon Musk just majority purchased all of Twitter, which makes him kind of the, the governance vote for everything that happens on this platform. And we have also seen Elon Musk dabble in the world of Web3. You know, he loves to pay attention to Dogecoin, which is like almost Web3. Uh, he knows what Ethereum is. He knows he knows the basics of this. Are you optimistic that Elon Musk might actually look into the fundamentals of 
what Web3 is and how it, when, why it, it has drawn so much excitement from the world around it and perhaps use his platform, use his now uh, majority share over Twitter to turn Twitter into something like Web3? Uh, I, I very, very much hope so because uh, there's just so much value added in, in Web3. Um, pretty much, like, uh, even if you think about protocols, uh, on-chain protocols with with different kinds of rules, whether it's decentralized finance or web free social media um, or, or something else. So it's this very valuable uh, and, and efficient way to actually provide the ownerships to the users. But also if you kind of like approach the whole idea of, um, you know, who is the epicenter most valuable uh, kind of like a um, stakeholder in, in, in social media, it's, it's pretty much the users. And the way we have built social media is that uh, we extract a lot of data from the users and then pretty much use that data and algorithms to essentially sell different kinds of services to the user. In terms of like Web3 uh, social, you can actually, we, we turn around this, this mechanism in a way where the user is actually the, 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 the one who owns, the, owns its own network. And, and then these applications, experience layers, algorithms are actually competing um, to, to provide the best services, um, bringing trans transparency and, and other values. I have tweeted this tweet out as an experiment. I'm wondering if I'm about to get banned. Oh, you're we'll not joining see. Twitter as an interim CEO, Ryan? I, I'm, I, maybe I will. Maybe we are all CEOs. Maybe that is the Web3 way. I think that's ultimately what we are saying here is we should be CEOs of our own Twitter accounts. So if you want to tweet out breaking, joining Twitter as interim CEO, you can. Let's see if we get banned here. I really like that line you said, Ryan. We should all be CEOs of your own social media account. You think about that on the spot? Yeah, yeah. I well, yes. I mean, it's basically what the tweet was saying, right? It's like, um, Stani was, I'm, I want to be the, I'm, I'm the new CEO of Twitter. And it's just like, you know what? We should all be CEOs of our individual Twitter accounts. That is the decentralized Web3 model, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. All right. And the other big news of the week, Optimism introduced the Optimism Collective which is code word for releasing an airdrop. Uh, <laughs> so that happened on Tuesday morning. We did a show with them, an hour and a half long show, going all the way into the details about the Optimism Collective, what it is. Uh, and it's basically a two house model. Uh, and so it's got the token house, which is governed by, I think you can guess, a token. But it also has the citizen's house, which is kind of this new innovation. And they have this bicameral system, this two-party system of sorts, uh, where one is fo focused on the short-term incentives, which is the tokens, and the one that is focused on the long-term incentives, which is the citizen's house. The token's house is, of course, composed by all the people that own the tokens. The citizen's house are on-chain uh, identities, on-chain people governed by a soul-bound NFT. So an NFT that is fixed to your wallet that you cannot transfer, that you have been given because the Optimism Collective has deemed you a valuable contributor who understands how to drive sustainable growth to Optimism, Ethereum, and the new internet. Uh, and so this whole idea, this whole concept is that uh, Optimism can use the block space revenue from the Optimism layer two, and it will generate that, uh, generate that revenue, and then it will, it will send that to, uh, to the, the protocol. Uh, and the Citizens House will govern over what is called uh, retroactive public goods funding, uh, which is going to unlock something that I think is super massive. Ryan and I are about to record a podcast about this because Ryan... I think this is a billion dollar opportunity toward by the end of this year and probably more than that. 
And then by starting next year, it's going to be something like a, a 10 to, to $50 billion opportunity that we have what never seen What is the opportunity? Before. What is the opportunity? Block space revenue going to people who create public goods. This is what optimism ah. has pioneered where you can, if you think that you can build public goods, then you can get money for that and not just a little bit of money, Ryan. Uh, this whole concept of retroactive public goods funding is injecting Silicon Valley type incentives, but allowing for public goods to be a product. This is something brand new in the crypto space. I'm extremely excited about it. I think this is the new alpha for the rest of the 2022 and 2023, because this I think will become standard for L2s. L2s will need to invest in infrastructure. They're going to use the revenue for their block space to do it and they would need builders who can build products that have never before been seen on the face of this earth which are public goods so the upside potential of a tech startup but the product potential of a public good brand new brand new thing out of crypto we needed crypto to unlock this and this has never been seen before i'm really excited about this you know another term for public goods that people are probably familiar with because we use it all the time is um open source software Yes, like certainly. that is open source yeah. software, and that is mm -hmm. one of the main public goods that people will be creating uh, clients and mm -hmm. all sorts of open source tools that will support the crypto industry. That's exactly right. In addition to this airdrop and this new Optimism Collective, they have also created the Optimism Foundation, which will be the way that the Optimism Public Benefits Corporation, the, the or company, the company that has existed thus far, will start to add in other members that are not part of that company to start to uh, slowly dilute the original members and be a path towards decentralization. So the Optimism Foundation has been created and it will eventually defer all governance rights of the foundation to the on-chain citizens house eventually. A big step forward for building out an ecosystem of contributors for optimism. Uh, so the members of uh, two members of the optimism team, Jing and Ben, will be joining the Optimism Foundation. Uh, Carl from Optimism will be sticking around with the Optimism uh, Labs, which is a new organization. The the protocol engineers of Optimism sticking around, uh, and then uh, over time, this will be a wholly decentralized. But of course, Ryan, there was an airdrop. Uh, and so 5% uh, of the total supply of Optimism was airdropped uh, just last Tuesday. You can go check your eligibility. I've got a couple uh, eligible addresses, which is just lovely. If you've donated to Gitcoin, you're eligible. If you have been, quote, priced out of Ethereum, you're eligible. Uh, if you have uh, uh, done a bunch of other things, I think uh, if you've used Optimism, deposited into Optimism and used it for four weeks, you got an airdrop. There's a bunch of different ways to have gotten the airdrop. If you got the airdrop for multiple reasons, there is a multiple reason uh, bonus. Uh, and then there are tiers to that as well. So if you did all six, I think, of the criteria for getting the Optimism airdrop, you got the third tier bonus size. So you get bonus for doing more things. Uh, so that is pretty cool. And the other cool thing, Ryan, is that there's not just one airdrop. That is airdrop number one. Uh, and so implying there will be also airdrop two and airdrop three and airdrop four going forward as determined by the community and what is best for the optimism layer two. What are we looking at here, Ryan? Uh, this looks like some data, some transaction and wallet data, I think, for for optimism. And um, it's really cool to benchmark this and actually look at, um, you know, the usage of the thing because the optimism network is being used pretty heavily i think it's mm. actually the sixth uh the, the network with the sixth most fees mm. and they did all of that previously without any token without incentive token. okay so this is uh definitely top 10 of all chains and so what we're looking at here is uh the number of transactions in wallets over the last 30 days 
there's been about 66,000 wallets. So every wallet is like a bank account. So 66,000 bank accounts. Um, a total number of addresses that have been created on Optimism, 330K. So these could be all potential citizens. Some citizens might have one more than one bank account. A lot of fees being generated here too. I've got some other charts here, Wait, David. Um, before you go on though, very, very important to note. There's two, two metrics I wanna pull out here. Last 30 days, Optimism has saved 192,000 Ether from getting spent on gas. And because it has saved that much Ether being spent on gas, it has been able to collect 520 Ether. So this is the business of optimism. It is saving users, it saved users over the last 30 days, 192,000 Ether. And for that service, it collected it's for itself 520 Ether in 30 days. And Ryan, you can see what happens when a token gets injected. Look at the bottom left chart, transacting addresses per day up and to the right in the final days of, of April because of the token. Transacting addresses uh, on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis, you can see that all go up and to the right. Transactions per day up and to the right. This is what happens when you inject token incentives. We know this is true. And if you go look at, uh, Ryan, at Avalanche, which is like Optimism, a fork of Geth, when they started doing liquidity mining incentives, that's when Avalanche started really succeeding, really getting TVL and driving usage. And Optimism has been able to do comparable amounts of usage before having a token, Ryan. So this is why we're calling this the starting pistol for L222. It's gotta come with the tokens. And the cool thing about all of uh, these layers twos, of course, is because they are a primary consumer of um, block space mm -hmm. on Ethereum. Mm -hmm. And so they ultimately, they settle on Ethereum because that's where they're deriving their security. So uh, this is Optimism's layer one gas used per month and transaction fees. The amount of transaction fees they are actually spending, the amount of block space, L1, L1, transaction L1 purchase, purchases they have on Ethereum. So what does this indicate to us? Yeah, I mean, you can just see that, especially that, that top chart of just the gas per used per day, just going up and up and up, especially now that there's a token. And as layer two is built out, we are not even close to being done with reducing fees on layer two. So that's also going to drive a ton of adoption. And of course, that is going to increase the total transactions of on the layer one, burning ether on the layer one. Because of course, as we have said, Ethereum turns into a settlement layer, not for people, but for other blockchains. Optimism layer two and other layer twos like it are the settlement layers for people. The L1 is the settlement layer for other blockchains. And then uh, I thought this one was funny, Ryan. Uh, as soon as they airdrop the token, like look at that spike at the very far oh right side. Like just two X. In, in since dropping a token, the number of unique addresses on Optimism jumped from, what was that? 350,000 to where it is now at over 800,000. Inside of one day, 400,000 unique new addresses came onto Optimism because of the token. L222, man, it's right around the corner. I mean, here's the, here's the reality. Here's that list uh, that, that we talked about earlier. Optimism is the sixth most fee-generating chain right now, and it's uh, above Solana, for instance, mm -hmm. just below Arbitrum, which is another layer two. It's getting close to passing Bitcoin, and then Avalanche and Binance are the only higher ones, and then, of course, Ethereum. It's just nails home, I think, something that we've been saying. We expect uh, layer twos like Optimism to compete with the alternative alternative layer ones of the world. So it's it's kind of like an execution layer competition here. It's Solana, Avalanche versus layer twos. It's really what's going on. And it feels like because Ethereum is positioning itself as a settlement layer is something different. It kind of stands on its own. It's part of the reason we've been a, 
a little um, bearish on the alternative layer one narrative. Not that there won't be other alternative uh, Ethereum chains. Of course there will be, but how will they fare in the backdrop of layer twos that are getting usage, getting market share, getting uh, free low cost economic security from Ethereum and then starting to issue tokens. Mm. That, that'll that be the big question, I think, that will start to be answered as we get into, uh, as we go through the rest of 2022. Optimism's live stream viewer count when we did our live stream with them was our second highest ever after Mark Cuban. So this is what happens when you release tokens, you get attention. And we all know that in the crypto space, attention price follows attention and tokens will put the attention back onto layer twos retroactive public goods because we are funding public goods for not just optimism not just for ethereum but for the whole world eventually will eventually push ethereum into mainstream legitimacy and also layer 22 22 will also lead us into the merge ryan i'm just feeling really bullish about the ethereum ecosystem it's because tell. we needed the tokens <laughs> the l2 tokens all along yeah, I can tell. And I do think this uh, the Citizen House is a really unique design mm. and um, gets us away from the the thing that I've been really disturbed with, with kind of, you know, token governance, which is this plutocracy where mm. you basically have token holders and capital holders that set all of the rules. So I'm really hopeful that that will be successful. Um, other news, I guess, on the Ethereum side is Ridley Scott, his production house. Ridley Scott, director, fantastic movies like Alien, uh, Aliens Gladiator, Blade Runner, that sort of thing. His production house is producing an Ethereum documentary. Yeah, it's going to be based off of Cami Russo's book, her fantastic book, The Infinite Machine. Uh, and so a great history of Ethereum walks through before Ethereum was uh, even a thing into where it is now. Uh, and so I, I can't think of a better book to base a documentary on. So congratulations to Cami Russo. A bunch of news is coming out next week about that. Uh, and so I'm just excited to watch it, man. More and, and like Ryan, I'm, there's two other Ethereum documentaries that I know are being worked on under the, uh, in not in secret, but just like, you know, they're working on it. Uh, and so like, there's also the era of Ethereum documentaries coming to things like Netflix or whatever other studio. And this isn't it. a documentary, right? This is a full scale movie. So they're going to have to actually find actors to play all oh, of these roles, I believe. It's going to be a drama? Yeah, dude. Who's going to play Vitalik? This is going to be like the social network. You remember that movie? Who's going to play social Vitalik? Wow. Who's going to play Vitalik? Who's going to play uh, Charles Hodgkinson? <laughs> who's going to play Joe Lubin? Uh, like, it's so many all of these the characters are completely irreplaceable. <laughs> really? I, I can't. So. I can't think of anyone in Hollywood today that could play Vitalik. Yeah, no, neither could I. No one pops to mind. I got a few for Charles, though. Um, we'll <laughs> yeah. save that for later. At least a few. <laughs> uh, Infura. Uh -huh. Let's talk about that. It was down last week, last Friday, I believe. The PSA here is: even when Infura is down and MetaMask doesn't work, there are alternative nodes. And our friend David Mihal has a fantastic website where you can see at any point in time any of the data providers whether they are serving. Uh, data or not and metamask you could change your metamask settings and tap into one of these if something like infura goes down so not awesome but we are not fully reliant on uh infura i mean if, if you if you're hearing that kind of thing it's like it's absolute flood it's not true yeah, it's haters uh, yeah, so, and you could just like prove that by redirecting your node to something else. You can even run your own node and uh, process transactions that way. Um, but let's get to some NFT stuff, mm -hmm. David. Uh, what's this first one? Yeah, Moonbirds. Kevin Rose's Moonbirds NFT profile picture uh, uh, project. A, a bird sold for a million dollars within one week of launch. <laughs> These are owls. Uh, moon, uh, yeah, they're they're all owls called moonbirds. They're all owls, uh, and the floor price on these things have just like left people completely astounded. I think the last I checked, it was a thirty-three ether floor. 
or this profile picture NFT. And this just goes to, and teaches about the power of community because this is not just a profile picture project. This is a profile picture for a specific community that is a bunch of highly researched, highly engaged NFT collectors that are here for the long term, being stewarded by our friend Kevin Rose. Uh, and so this it's just a combination of like some cool pixel art plus a very powerful community behind it. Yeah, I can't believe these uh, these numbers, um, but they're also getting getting some major funded funding. So um, Alexis Ohanian's VC firm just announced, along with some uh, others, True Ventures as well, a $10 million investment into the Moonbirds ecosystem. So that happened this week. Also, there was some controversy this week as well. So the Moonbirds COO, Ryan Carson, announced uh, he was leaving the project. And I think that that took some in the community by a surprise who thought that, you know, Kevin and Ryan, some of the others were in it for the long term. I think Kevin Rose is completely in it for the long term. All indications point that way. Uh, but uh, Ryan Carson left. He's now starting an NFT firm. There was some back and forth about that and, um, you know, some price reaction as well. But I don't know. I feel long term pretty bullish about, about this project. And um, I think the team is positioned to execute. I don't know about these valuations, though. Like, it's just... I, I, it's, it's really hard to get my head around why Moonbirds are worth what they are worth. But I mean, you could buy, when we I first had, had Kevin on the podcast, you could buy a proof pass mm -hmm. for like a few ETH at that time. Wow, really? And now that, that's gone up mm -hmm. massively in value since, since then and has paid dividends for those who've held it. So this is the bankless curse. We bring people along because, like, yo, this project's really cool. We do a <laughs> podcast on it and then we forget to buy stuff <laughs> every Look, single man. time. Yeah, you remember like the most painful one is probably uh what, what was the most painful one? There's so many. In 2020, when we got like NFT pilled and mm -hmm. and yes, uh, you were right. like, hey, how are NFTs any different from this painting I had? Do you right. remember that podcast yes, you did? Of course, of course, right. We and, should like, have just, they uh, used CryptoPunks as an example. I was like, <laughs> how is it any different from this CryptoPunk painting that I have on my wall that, two years hilarious. later? And that took wait, that took two years later? That's probably a year nine later. months. We, nine we months. We woke dude. up. It was nine months. Uh, anyway, I, I have a re I have an answer as to why the the floor price has done so well. It's because why? Kevin, they're doing it, like the the proof collective is like this uh, community bottom up like alternative to paid research. Like somebody, some people, instead of just going and Googling and looking at bias research, they pay for research to be done about things. And this feels like that, where the community is engaged and the community is serious. Uh, and so when that community is successful, Ryan, they all have a bunch of money because they all research stuff together. That yeah, is the proof collective. It's good. It, there's so such strength in community. They have so much ammo to pump the, the bird price floor because they all have made each other very wealthy. That is my interpretation of the of the moon, uh, the the proof collective. And you notice I have a, a bird right behind yes, me. Do. That's because yes, uh, this was given to me. Uh, David and I have stepped in and joined as advisors of this project. Mm. And I think it's because we saw a lot of like parallels with the bankless community mm. and with proof. Like at some level, what proof is doing for NFTs is what bankless could do in the future on the mm -hmm. DeFi side of things with some sort of membership. So there's a lot of commonality, a lot of synergy between these communities. And uh, you know, Kevin asked us to be part of this mm -hmm. and we wanted to be because it's a cool experiment that we hope to bring maybe into the bankless ecosystem a little bit more. Maybe mm -hmm. there's some potential for collaboration opportunities. Right. So we'll see, have to see how that, that emerges. But the power of strong communities who are super knowledgeable in crypto is just like, that's all you're doing. You're buying, you're mm -hmm. investing in communities at some level, the network effects of communities. Right, and you, plus you can't share alpha on Twitter because then it's not alpha anymore. So you gotta, you gotta grow your very like specialist network of, of alpha 
Uh, and that's what they've done with NFTs. That's what we want to do with DeFi. And there's always a power of composable communities. There's a ton of overlap between the bird community, uh, the proof community, and the bankless community. And so uh, we're going to work on the DeFi side of this whole entire thing. Listeners or people that are watching on the YouTube, drop a comment in the show notes as who's got the better bird? You can see my bird on the left. It's the pink background with the moon hat. Uh, you know, very, we already so, know you're only asking that question because you know you got the better bird. That's why oh, you're asking. Yeah, you think I got the better I little, bird, Ryan? I have a, my bird looks a little angry. You Your know, bird and looks I'm a like, little angry. I'm only angry when it, when do I get angry, David? I've never seen you angry once. Well, I I just I don't get angry usually, but this bird is angry, so you know, David's it's looking. That bird is cool not angry, Ryan. Hat. That bird is determined. <laughs> Thank you. All right. <laughs> Determined to go bankless. Let's talk about the Solana ecosystem. You got something here. Yeah, yeah. Solana NFTs and crazy NFT drops. Birds are not the only crazy thing happening in NFTs. Uh, there, there is OK Bears, the new uh, NFT project on Solana, beats out all, every single one, Ryan, every single NFT project to ever have day one volume, uh, which is all of them. Uh, OK Bears beat all of them. Friends is now number two. It got dethroned from number one as the highest NFT project with the most amount of volume, uh, coming in at $13 million in 24 hours. MeBits is now number three at $12 million in 24 hours, followed by what's now number four at Invisible Friends at $10 million. Solana and the Solana OK Bears came in at $18.5 million in, in sales inside of the first 24 hours. Uh, they look a lot like Bored Apes. They look a lot like yeah. Bored Apes. That's cool. And look, this is bullish, I think, for sold price because yeah. uh, the unit of account and the unit of exchange, the money in the Solana ecosystem is sold. So all of these things are being priced in souls. So that is somewhat bullish to the extent that souls get used as money in the in Solana ecosystem. That's monetary premium. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk a little bit about some other news that came out. OpenSea just acquired Gem. What is Gem, David? Yeah, it's a it's a floor sweeper. So if you just don't care about what you buy, but you know you want to buy a collection, you can just go to Gem. Say I have a five ETH budget, a one ETH budget, whatever, a fifty ETH budget, and you can just press buy, and you can just sweep the floor automatedly in an automated fashion. And so now that functionality is part of OpenSea. That's a, a really cool buy and kind of a tuck-in acquisition. the The trouble with some of that, according to the community, is like. Gem users were hopeful that Gem would release a token, and now that they're going into OpenSea, that's increasingly un unlikely because OpenSea has somewhat happen. stated that they're planning to go the IPO route, yeah. not do go the the token route unless forced. So, uh, no token it looks like for Gem, at least in the uh, in the short run, and maybe maybe forever. Yeah. Um, Real quickly here, Central African Republic is now accepting Bitcoin as legal tender. So we have moved into Bitcoin a macro adoption news. So another country has adopted Bitcoin as legal tender. And we are also perhaps about to have a third because if the uh, president of Panama signs it, all that's left is a signature. It will also become legal tender in Panama. So two big dubs for Bitcoin this week. Uh, almost, almost two. One for sure, almost a second. Uh, and so this is uh, the final step is the presidential signature. And Bitcoin can be legal tender in almost three countries by the end of this week, Ryan. That's crazy that that's happening so quickly. Um, let's talk uh, regulation. But first, maybe this is not quite regulation. Snowden and Zcash. What's the tie here? 
Yeah, yeah. So there's been this anonymous, semi-anonymous contributor to Zcash called John Dobberton. He was part of the ceremony for launching the, the Zcash network. We'll get into that in the details. Turns out that was Edward Snowden from, from Genesis. <laughs> uh, turns out Edward Snowden was one of the original uh, uh, signers on the, what, what do you call it? Trusted setup is what they call it. So Zcash uh, is got the, the, with a zero knowledge technology. There's this thing called a trusted setup where a bunch of people come and they participate in this like zero knowledge ceremony. And in order for this to work, one person just needs to permanently destroy their keys. And if one person does it, then this whole thing is completely decentralized, right? Uh, and so uh, the, the final ceremony, which was held in locations across the world because we're on the internet, was in October of 2020, uh, 2016. And that's where people all destroyed their keys. Uh, and as long as, again, as long as one of the people destroy their keys, it works. And everyone has said like, oh, I destroyed my keys too. Uh, and John Dobberton, who was one of the original guys, turns out it was Edward Snowden. Uh, Ryan, if Edward Snowden told you that he burned his uh, ceremony keys, would you believe him? Yeah, I think, especially in 2016, before any of this stuff was valuable. I mean, the, the man is principled enough to be like extradited from the country. United States. Yeah, uh huh. Right. So he, he I, I would, I would say there's a there's a high chance of that. And so this is coming out, and this is giving Zcastrum additional legitimacy as well, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, giving this some attention. So it's a cool project. Really like what Zcash is doing, and um, I'm not sure this will increase their favorability, like uh, in the market. The favorability, not well in the market, but also just like US regulators. I mean, yeah. they already don't like Snowden. Mm -hmm. You think this is going to make them excited about Zcash and anonymous yeah. cryptocurrency prospects? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. That There is a coming just like collision that we know is happening is privacy on blockchains uh, and regulation. Oh God, here we go. All right, this is coming out of uh, the, ta the Tron ecosystem. Justin Sun, the infinite copycatter, has <laughs> imitated Terra to launch an algorithmic stablecoin USDD on Tron and with a reserve of $10 million for the Tron DAO uh, and also has interest, basic interest rate of 30%. So trumping anchor at 20%. Gotta be higher, of Gotta course. be higher. So Tron <laughs> refuses to be outdone. Uh, and so just copying the Terra ecosystem once again. Uh, the copycator, Justin Sun. You know, right. it's it's a little sad, but the saddest thing of all is that it actually works. It's yeah, worked for him in the past, and he's just true. playing the same thing. Uh, it could work for him again. All right, last news item. The ECB, some officials gave a speech there. Central bankers, of course, for the European Union. I'll just give you the TLDR, but we'll include the link in the show notes. The TLDR is, the bankers say crypto is scary and that we should be scared of it. And what do they say to do about it? Well, inject some additional regulation. This speech goes through four points of that. Number one, they got to treat all crypto like banks. That is the recipe. That is the prescription for fixing crypto. Number two, state surveillance for everything. They want to make yeah. sure that they collect all of their taxes, including taxing the hell out of proof of work. Uh, number three, adding disclosures everywhere. It's interesting yeah. is I partially I, I, I partially agree with like the centralized pieces, but yeah. I don't think they're they're realizing that DeFi has like disclosures written into the code. Yeah. It's all open anyway. No uh, centralization, no disclosures. <laughs> exactly. And number four, make everyone uh, basically registered financial advisors, right? So a lot more disclosures, a lot more certifications. Like it goes through this in more detail. I've I've super summarized it. I feel like this is uh, this is how to miss the next internet in four easy steps, basically. Um, I think central bankers are right. 
after a fashion that that crypto and DeFi and like um, does need some more regulation in spots. But if you treat this entire industry just like the traditional banking industry, you'll get what you've already got, which is a broken system that doesn't service the people uh, and services the elite few. That's the end of that. You can read the full report if you want, but we're going to cut to sponsors and then be right back with the takes. All right, guys, home stretch. We're getting to the takes of the week. This one comes from this guy, Ryan Sean Adams. He says, the more toxic the community, the more insecurities is trying to hide. If you were confident in the success of your crypto, you wouldn't be toxic. You're toxic because you're worried. Don't at me. Ryan, I love this take. What inspired you? Spicy. To, what inspired this one, man? I was inspired by toxic communities, David. <laughs> like toxic communities, it's just this. It's just kind of a pattern. What I mean by is, toxic communities is just uh, communities that kind of like swarm you. They they drown out all possible Our YouTube uh, logical responses. Right? They call everything fud. Uh, they hurl insults without engaging with the argument, and they use like swarm techniques. And often these swarm techniques are like pushed down by some sort of a cult leader that says, yeah. "Hey, get them, get them!" And then they kind of like there. So there are communities like that, and I just I kind of identified what the what the pattern is, and they're all just a little bit scared. They're right. a little bit worried. It's like a human fear type response, right. and I think that is the source of this toxicity. If look, if you're if you're confident that x chain is going to dominate like you don't have to be toxic yeah yeah why do you have to like project these insecurities through toxicity i don't think you have to i think the quiet confident chains and communities are the ones um that um yeah that are not worried yeah that's That's, exactly that's the take i have so much to say about this but we'll have to leave that for another day uh i thought this take was interesting this actually is not about crypto but john stewart warns that authoritarianism is the greatest threat to comedy as he receives the Mark Twain, Mark Twain Humor Prize. The reason why I want to bring this up, Ryan, is because authoritarian, authoritarianism is also perhaps one of the biggest threats to crypto. Authoritarianism is just a threat in general. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a threat towards expression, and comedy is a, an expression of just that humor and, and social life and social culture. And crypto, what it is, is a financial expression. We get to express things in the financial ecosystem much more than we previously could, which is a threat to authoritarianism. So Ryan, authoritarian, authoritarianism, not just a threat to crypto, also to comedy. Uh, and I like both of those things. <laughs> I agree. I, um, if, if you hear a political take on Bankless, it's not going to be right or left. It's going to be anti-authoritarian every single time. 100%. Uh, let's go with this next one. Look at this very clear divide. This is mm-hmm. on crypto Twitter, and you notice two clusters here. Uh, one, a cluster is kind of like NF, like N- not NFT, NFT world, I would say, and the other is a cluster of, of like sort of the crypto money type people. And these are these two cl- clusters, and they're living almost like separate lives in different tribes. What do you think of this? Yeah, well, on the left you can see the ERC twenty folk, and on the right you can see the ERC seven twenty one. That's kind of <laughs> how I divide these. There's some people in the middle. I bet I have people like a DC investor would probably find himself in that middle cluster somewhere. The crazy thing is like the whole like top third of the whole NFT side are bored apes. So just like it's showing you how gargantuan the ape community is, uh, which is interesting in of itself. And also for the podcast listeners, the NFT cluster is like three times larger than the, than the crypto Twitter cluster. And so like it's just showing you how much adoption came in the last year because of NFTs. Oh, I think there's tons of people in the NFT world that have no idea what Bankless is. Probably. Like no Probably. idea. Whereas that would be a bit more rare, I would say, on the crypto Twitter side right. of things. Right. Well, you know what, Ryan? We don't know who they are either. 
<laughs> that's true <laughs> that's why we're in separate clusters somewhat mm-hmm. uh but it's pretty cool more surface area uh david this is uh this is a take from you why don't I read it out? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. That's not your take. It's not of my course. take, but that, I use that, it in the article. That's a, an African proverb or, or, or something like this. And uh, that is a shout out to you. And there is a meme that we're looking at. One says EVM equivalence, the other EVM compatibility. Could you explain this meme for us? Yeah, so there's this concept of a Peloton, right? Like, no, not the Silicon Valley, like exercise machine. The Peloton is like the cluster of bicycles. Uh, in, in when uh, cycling is or when people are racing, they all cluster up, right, to reduce drag. And this is what open source software is. The more open source software contributors you have contributing to the same piece of software, such as the EVM, such as Geth, uh, it, things go faster. The network effects are shared because when any other developer contributes something to Geth, everyone who's using that Geth standard gets to benefit from that. When you fork Geth and turn it into something else, or if you just rebuild something else completely from scratch, you don't get to join in the Peloton. You are bicycling solo. You don't get to draft on anyone. You don't get to drag on anyone. Uh, and so you are not in the Peloton. And the Peloton, Ryan, if you're in the middle of a Peloton, like in the middle of that very big one, it you you reduce drag by like five, by 95% at times. So like it's basically effortless to keep up with the network effects. Whereas if you have a smaller Peloton or if you're just going solo, you have to bicycle, you have to work so much harder than the Peloton. So the Peloton always wins. Uh, and this is a metaphor for open source nature, collaborative nature versus VC backed forks. And that is the take here. I wrote an entire article on this, which I'm super proud of actually on Bankless it is also a video on the YouTube that you can listen to as well. I think the big takeaway here is if you want to understand the uh, EVM, that's the Ethereum virtual machines network effect, read David's article because yes. that spells it out in detail. And uh, I think it's very bullish for the EVM and uh, for Ethereum. So you expect nothing less mm-hmm. from Bankless, a bullish mm-hmm. article about Ethereum. Uh, mm-hmm. David, this is another take. What's this? Yeah, this is coming from Bartek from Layer 2 Beat where uh, he uh, one of my takeaways from ETH Amsterdam is that everyone is hiring and there's no one left to hire because everyone has gotten a hired. So we have an extreme supply glut of talent. So I asked Bartek for somebody because he's looking to hire at Layer 2 Beat. Bartek, what are you looking for for a prospect at Layer 2 Beat? And he says these four things. And if you can do these four things, you can get a job that's like $200,000 plus as an engineer for... 50 different companies. So it can make you extremely competitive. And he says, willingness to become an L2 expert in the shortest amount of time possible, implying that they're willing to hire people who are unknowledgeable in layer twos, but are very, very hungry for it. Full, t- full stack TypeScript, a must. Web3 understanding understanding Web3 TypeScript is a nice to have, plus a passion for exploring the frontiers of the bankless world. Shout out to us, I guess. Thank you. Uh, and also excellent communication skills. So what are you waiting for? Is what he asks. Yeah, get a job in crypto as we say all right guys that was all the takes coming in to the final question i've got for you ryan what are you excited about i am excited about the permissionless conference david okay so this is happening palm beach florida two and a half weeks i can't believe two and a half weeks we are busy dotting the i's and crossing all of the t's on content um i'm excited about a few main stage sessions that i'm going to mention number one we're doing this panel with chris dixon okay We did the mental models uh, for Web3 with him. That was like a fantastic podcast. It's Number still one often most referenced. 
Yeah, and um, and you know, I think we're going to do some of that. It'll be a, a repeat of some of that, but also some really new concepts. And Chris Dixon is great on anything, especially in person. We're also doing a Why We're All Here panel with all-stars. Uh, mm-hmm. Evan McMullen, Kevin Iwaki, Justin Drake, and Mariano. These are four individuals who are perfectly situated to explain why we're here, like why crypto. And then we're also doing probably my all-time favorite podcast. Is it Certainly. yours too? Absolutely. Okay, the Crypto Renaissance podcast with Josh Rosenthal. We did that episode. Josh Rosenthal is bringing that to life with some new, really interesting additions with a keynote presentation. And that's just day one. What I just said to you is just day one. And also all of the kind of the, you know, like party events and everything that's going on, all the the great conversations we're going to have. Uh, permissionless is going to be awesome. I think there are still tickets left, maybe not too many, but still a few. This is going to be like max packed, sold out, 6,000 people, 7,000 people, biggest DeFi conference ever. Really excited to be involved in this one. Yeah, and uh, for those that haven't listened to the Josh Rosenthal podcast, you do not know what you're missing. It's absolutely crazy. (laughs) The the number of times I go to a conference and people tell me that that specific episode was what made them drop everything and get into crypto is like, I can't, I haven't been able to count. It's been like 30 or 40 or 50 or something like that. That's awesome, man. And the other takeaway from that podcast was that we are speed running the Renaissance. Renaissance took like 200 years, Ryan, but we are going to compress that amount of time into just like 20 in the crypto Renaissance. That's why this is a whole revolution is so powerful. And it's been over a year since we did that podcast with him. So we have basically like a couple decades worth of the renaissance to catch up on so i'm excited <laughs> to see what, what josh rosenthal has in store a for few us. a few brief centuries have yes. flown by since then yeah. uh all right david what are you excited about man dude i'm excited to meet you man we got, <laughs> we got like 10 days away before before the, either this whole thing falls apart because we don't like each other or <laughs> oh my God. or it just goes just fine uh, bank, yeah, bank, the- bankless llc has an airbnb where all of us are going to be in the same place for the first time ever uh, and including where I get to meet my co-host here. That's going to be awesome, man. That's going to be fun. Yeah, I guess the, the Bankless podcast hangs on a knife edge. It could go either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm optimistic though, David. I think, I think so. look, I think, so. I think I feel like I have met you. I'm like, people People are like, you've ne- people are blown away that we've yeah. actually never met. Every single time. Like they're legitimately blown away because I've spent God knows how many hours right. with you in like the metaverse, like according to everything. Like, uh-huh. I feel like I know you. I don't know, but look man we get in person something changes i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm a total jerk and per- yeah. maybe you could smell bad yeah <laughs> something like this something <laughs> could break up the podcast so i don't know maybe the second last roll-up guys we'll have to see we'll let you know after the conference yeah. how it goes yeah. see yeah. if you you'll, still you'll like see. me you'll see <laughs> all right guys should all right. We get, ryan should we get into the meme of the week take us there yeah let's do meme of the week i'll take you there so this is uh what are we looking at we're looking at some sort of airdrop metrics david what's yeah, this yeah yeah this is the optimism airdrop metrics where like i said earlier in the show there are different criteria that you could have met to get different distributions to optimism so here's the meme version of this uh rug pulled by andre twice if you got rug pulled by andre <laughs> twice you got 152 million op if you're a seed oil eater <laughs> which is a deep cut of a reference for crypto twitter uh you got got 420,000 OP tokens. If you're a price out of Twitter, you got 100,000. And if you're an Aries sign, if you also got 274 OP tokens. Uh, other qualifying things would be donating to Joe Biden's campaign and also an A16Z partner. Uh, and yeah, uh, that is the meme of the week. If you had done those things, you would have gotten 6.5 million OP tokens. Uh, but of course, this is just a meme. That's a deep cut. Uh, somebody might try that sometime. Guys, of course, we have enjoyed being with you. This has been your your weekly roll-up. Uh, ETH is risky. Bitcoin is risky. So is all of crypto, including DeFi. You could definitely lose what you put in. But 
We are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.